Welcome to the Electricians Co-op. I'm your host, Rob Bruss. And I'm Jamie Small. Today on the show, we've got Jason Cooney from The Tender Team. Now, if you're looking to go to the next level in your business and win some bigger contracts, you're going to have to tender for them. But you're not going to have to do that on your own. Jason and his team are going to help you to shortcut the path to winning the next big deal. So let's get started. Good day, Jamie. How are you today, mate? Yeah, good, Rob. Long time no see. Long time no see. Two podcasts in one day. It's all happening. Killing it, mate. All over it. Good stuff. Good day, Jason. How are you? Welcome to the show, mate. Good day, guys. Good, thanks. Hey, Jason. Awesome to have you here today, mate. It's this. This goes to the very heart of uh, why Jamie wanted to kick off and start the Electricians Co-op and put this thing together, because it's all about growing an electrical business. It's all about getting more traction, but. Like all business owners, it's pretty hard to relinquish a little bit of control of your business because I want to write the tender, I want to write the bid, I'm I'm better than anybody else, I'm the right person to be doing that. But I know, Jace, that you're going to tell us that that's not true, right? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, depends on situation, but most definitely, sometimes um, we can definitely help out to to make something not better, but at the end of the day, make it win. Yeah. With tenders, you, you either win or you don't. Nothing else happens. Yeah, good so stuff. People yeah, go for the tender, stuff. one company wins it. Yeah. I, I wanted to kick off today, gents, by just reading a little bit from uh, from Jason's website. And you can find out more about Jason and his business at thetenderteam.com.au. And I'll pop that link right at the top of the show notes so you won't have to go poking around for it. It's right there. Just take a little peek at your phone and, it, and you can find it. So the Tender Team is an Australian writing consultancy providing bid, proposal and business writing services. Established in January 2007, we help organizations write winning tenders and increase their success rates. We like to help you win and our consultants are passionate about writing and winning tenders and proposals and will work with you to drive best practice in bidding and tendering. Jason, that kind of sums up your business, but I'm sure that there's more to it than just one paragraph of content there. Why don't you give us a little bit of background and, and tell us where it all started for you guys? Yes, we, um, well, we started up, I, I worked in a company as a tender writer so some call it a boring job, but, but we like it. Um, and when I suppose at one stage um, I said, okay, may as well freelance. And the funny in freelancing or the funny writing consultancy is you do all different jobs. So you're not just in your own company, but you know you might do an electrician one day, a plumber the next day and whoever it may be. Mm. Um, and then we started small pretty much. We started just one, two, three clients going up. And as the clients grew, they came back, there were more tenders. Um, they told their mates, um, as you know, with a lot of uh, tradies, everyone kind of speaks to each other in their spare time. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's an electrician talking to his mate who happens to be a plumber um, or even their competitors. They all kind of know each other. Everyone kind of gets to know each other over the years. Yeah. Um, so we grew that way. And um, as that grew, the, our sort of team grew. Um, so we, we called it the tender team because we're a team of writers and we work like a team. Um, and that's important. Um, and some tenders are so big that you, you just don't do them on your own anyway. You need a couple of people to get them done. Yeah. Um, so we spend our days and sometimes our nights um, writing tenders. Um, most of them are local government or state government tenders because um, that's one of the rules. So, you know, if you're over 100 grand and you're a government, you've got to go out to tender. Mm -hmm. um, so the majority of our clients are either companies that have had a contract for the last 20 years, but it hasn't been out of the tender for 20 years. 
they've worked the local council maintenance and they need to renew it, they need to make sure they secure it again. Um, or other people that are say, you know, 10, 15 person businesses um, and they may, you know, they've got a lot of pressure to keep their staff busy, they're making money and they think, oh, I want to grow. And the first thing you think when you want to grow is, oh, let's win a, win a big government contract. So <laughs> yeah. I want to do all the first barracks maintenance or something, the electrical maintenance, or there's a big installation, or let's go into fire safety or whatever it may be. Um, and um, and then they think, okay, we'll kind of, you know, that sounds sweet. And then they get it, they go, oh, yep. And most of the time we've got their secretaries writing their tenders or a family member, and they do a decent job. So it's not never a disaster. Um, but then they'll call us and be like, oh, I really want to win this one. We need you to do it. This is the deadline that we need to get started. So that's kind of, um, that's our business. And uh, we're in the kind of back end of, of business. So we're not at the front doing any work. Um, but when the when the trader gets home or when the guys gets home at like 4.30, 5 in the Arvo, they're on the phone to us sorting out their tenders. Nice. You mentioned before, Jason, that a lot of sparkies will get in touch with you when they're looking to grow your business and try and get a government contract. From your experience, do you think that works? It, they've got to be um, selective. So from my experience, I think that if someone has like an unrealistic expectation or is too ambitious, then it then it all stops up. So what happens is they might be, say, for example, a, uh, a six-man show, right? Um, they've got two apprentices, three workers and themselves, and they think, okay, look, I want to uh, I want to get the contract for the opera house. It's, it's out to contract. Now, when you look at the tender and the contract out to the opera house, it has, for example, you know, you need a minimum team of 20. We want experience uh, servicing four other major government buildings and so forth. And they can't answer it and they're not going to win it. So from that perspective, it doesn't work because it's not realistic and they're not going to achieve it. But then for other, you know, sparkies that turn around and say, okay, it's not my local council, but the local council next to mine is coming up for contract. I'm a team of five, same story, three apprentices, two full-time guys. But, mate, firstly, I sponsor the local footy team in that council area. Mm. I grew up before I moved to this area. Three of my apprentices live in that local area. I'm pretty much on the border. I'm already a, a, a contractor for this local council, and I reckon I can get on that one. Definitely worth a shot in terms of growing their business. So that helps, is it? Most definitely, yeah. yeah right. And it doesn't. It also because when you when you're going for a council tender, what happens is, you know, there'll be forty percent asking on your experience, and sometimes every Sparky has the same license capability and so forth. There may be some that specialise in fire safety or solar, but the majority sort of have the same qualifications. Yep. And then you go, okay, experience. Most people can pull out some commercial experience. They might be, you know the go-to team for maintaining a couple of major commercial buildings. So most people can get that. And then the council will actually allocate 10% to local content. And that's like a reward for saying, okay, listen, if we're going to spend three or $400,000 a year just to maintain our buildings, we want that money to go to a local or a local business. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're local or you're kind of connected to local, you can, um, you can easily win it. You've got a better chance. And also if you've got, um, also, if you've got one or two government contracts, then it's easier to get a third or, or fourth because you can quote that experience. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that a, a Sparky can't can't randomly win a contract. They can, as long as they kind of hang around their geographic area and really push the local part of it. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the insider tip there for people that are considering the tender. Is there? I was going to ask you that it must be really hard for the people on the other side trying to disseminate the tender 
because you know you put it out to tender and they get 100 applicants for something like that they must all look the same is there something that you do from a is there is there a common theme in there that you can use that somebody's listening to this podcast or maybe they can use the tender team that's the first thing they could do um, to help them differentiate themselves from everybody else but is there something that you could do like immediately to differentiate like i'm just trying to see if there's Make yourself stand out yeah like how do you stand out amongst everyone that looks very similar I'd say there are, there are three ways. Um, the first is um, with graphics, mm-hmm. very basic graphics, so not expensive graphics, but nice enough that your tenders will present it. So like a simple cover page to start, mm-hmm. um, an executive summary or a letter to the um, a letter to the, the editor, a letter to the reader as, as a start. So that means that before you've even submitted your tender to put them in a good mood, and this won't score you any marks, right? Because they market professionally. So they'll put a criteria and they'll mark it out of 100. But if you want to get through kind of a, a good first impression, you have a nice cover page, and then you write, dear whoever, we are excited at the opportunity to win this electrical contract. We feel that our um, you know, prior experience, our speciality in building maintenance um, and our understanding and ability to communicate with council or government stakeholders and sort any issues out um, you know, sets us apart. Mm-hmm. So a letter at the beginning, you're more than welcome to do. The second or the third thing I would say is um, putting in little quotes throughout your tender. So let's say they ask a question on um, experience. Provide three previous case studies of new builds that you've completed, you know, for public toilet blocks because it's a public toilet block or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Then you would have a quote from your safety officer in the safety question. Even though they haven't asked for it, they might say, look, provide a couple of your WHS management statement and um, tell us five safety initiatives that you guys do and your safety culture. But you whack in a quote there from your your safety guy or your owner, you know, Jeff Thompson, director of CEA Electrical, saying we're passionate about safety at the forefront of our business. We're excited to apply our outstanding exemplary safety procedures to this contract if we win it. Um, that's something that stands out because when they're reading it, they get bored. But then if they read something personalised, they go, okay, he's taking the time to kind of write this and make it look like it's for me so that puts me in a good mood um and the fourth way so you've got you know quotes um you've got a nice graphic cover page and some split pages some graphics some real life pictures can always help as well just make sure that you're doing everything right in the picture from a safety perspective Mm -hmm. um then you've got a a, kind of like a executive summary or letter and finally i'd say what um what you can do to set you apart is if you want is it doesn't have to be long text so you don't have to sit there and cut and paste in paragraphs and paragraphs of writing but actually take the time to tailor it to that tender because yeah. what if you really want to win it it'll take a bit longer but what most companies will do is they'll kind of cut and paste over there about us um and you might be going for a school you might be like mate you know if i win 12 12 school maintenance contracts it's going to be fantastic but busy enough for 10 boys and then um and then you you know you're sort of covering about us section will be like oh tpg electrical is fantastic we specialize in residential commercial and industrial cut that out and write tpg tpg um, electrical specializes in the maintenance of schools we've got specialist knowledge in the unique needs of operating a school and we understand audio visual and we understand electrical we understand you don't have to impact your students and our you know all our um, all our workers have working safety work whatever it is, work health and safety, working with children checks and so forth. Yeah. So the idea is to tailor it and you can be a bit shorter, but tailor it and then they'll like it. They'll know that you bothered to write it. Do you think Um, it's important to put a face? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Jason. 
No, go for it, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's important to put a face to the cover art to sort of know who the person's dealing with? Yeah, most definitely. Um, do you mean from our perspective, from the no, writer's perspective? No, for the electrician, say you might have the director's photo on the page or whoever's writing the tender? Yeah, um, definitely the director's photo. So one thing you can do is, um, when I mentioned you've got these quotes, as you put in the quote, you also cut and paste a photo image of whoever of that person as well. Yep. So not only will they get to know your director, so usually at the beginning of the tender, you put in something like a message from our CEO, a message from our director, meet Dave, Dave has been an electrician for 15 years and so forth, Put a photo of him. Definitely, it's um, it's critical, yep. um, and also the rest of your team. Um, and what that does is it puts me in a good mood because they seem they think that they know you yep. at the end of the bid. And also, it takes away from price because you know you've got say a sixty percent waiting for what you've written, and say forty percent on pricing. Mm. So you've got to get them to the point where if someone lowballs the price, you still win. And the yep. way you do that is a good tender, and also them feeling like they know you and like you like you before you even start yeah that's really it's really interesting stuff it's like personalizing it there and great value here on the podcast today thank you jason for sharing those important tips that's really good stuff i was interested to uh to know have you so you know all of this stuff from writing tenders just of years of doing it right but you must have engaged with the people that are screening for these tenders as well that's how you know that information as well is that where you're getting that so you're getting that straight from the horse's mouth really from people who are working in councils and governments and saying hey this is what we want to see in our tenders these are the things that make a difference yeah they're the two parts the first part um we've we've, um, undertaken a few clinics and the training and coaching workshop Yep. And sometimes the procurement guys come in from the government departments. Um, so one of them, for example, had the Department of Defence. Right. So um, I met with the Department of Defence procurement team. And one of the interesting things that they said was, they don't like reading too much fluff. Like they want it to the point because they get bored of reading it as they're reading it. And then I said to them, oh, what happens if you've got a lot to write? And they said, you can do that, fill it all in as long as it's quality. Mm. As long as you've written it concisely, then we're happy to read it all. But we just hate reading fluff. And the example they gave was something along the lines of, instead of writing, um, uh, you know, XXX Plumbing was established in 1962 and is a specialist plumbing organisation providing plumbing services to the local community, just write established 1962, or for electricians, for example, established 1962, family business, um, specialists in these three areas of electrical or something like that. It's enough, right? Um, the, the points are enough. Yeah, as long as the points are quality. Yeah. Um, and the other part that we get um, feedback from what we're looking for is uh, debriefs. So what happens is if you win a tender, it's fantastic. You lose one, and the first thing everyone's going to say is, how come I lost it? Mm. So you go back, and they're legally obliged to give you information on that. Sometimes they can be a bit evasive. So they'll say, oh, it was price, or they won't really give you an answer. I'd say one in every three or four, it'll be a comprehensive feedback on why you lost it. Um, and that's where you, that's that's the treasure, I suppose, because you you find out what they're looking for and you find out all the tips. Yeah. And what's an example of the reason why you'd lost it? So you you mentioned price. What's some other factors? Yeah. Um. One. So other factors have been um not not dealing with potential asbestos issues in a contract that didn't really ask for it. So mm. you know in the tenders they didn't ask for it, but they still said, look, you haven't dealt with asbestos. So that was critical for them. Um. Another one. Uh. Different reasons, but another one would have been um experience not aligning so what happens is you know say you've got 10 marks for experience um they'll say provide uh, previous cases of um maintaining an industrial building for example 
And so you're going for the tender and then you'll turn around and say, well, we haven't got any industrial, what do we do? Oh, we did that. That's kind of industrial, that office block. So we'll put in that as an example. Um, but then you really need to outline, okay, it's an office block, it's not industrial, but these are the reasons why it's similar. Um, we didn't do that. We just gave a pretty detailed and solid description of our experience on the office block. It was well, just for a client, but then they turn around and they go, no, nah, we're looking for industrial. There aren't enough links there for us to kind of put it together. So that's another reason. Um, a third um, is insufficient detail on, uh, on profiles. Um, so for example, when they're looking for a CV, you, you generally speaking, put in like, it's not a, a full on CV, it's about a little bio or a half page CV, but um, it's important to touch on say safety, for example, and we didn't touch on safety. Um, like we didn't say, you know, Tim's got great leadership skills. He's a director of TPC Electrical. He's got all this experience. So we went through all that, but then we didn't say, and he's passionate about building a safety culture amongst the team. Gosh. So the link, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you can score 10 out of 10 on the safety question when they've asked for it, it's important to link different points throughout the tender, even though they haven't explicitly asked that that point in the question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Varied reasons over the years. And sometimes you don't really know if they're true or not. Like they're just, you know, they might be just like making an excuse and the real reason was something else. But generally speaking, you'll, you know, you'll get some some feedback. Okay, say, say for the sparkies out there that have never tended for a government contract and are looking to get into it, you've obviously got to start somewhere. Where do you suggest you start? To find, to find the contracts. Yeah, to get the foot or, in the door. Uh, first up would be to identify the contract opportunities. So um, there are two big providers, Tenderlink, and it's free. So you go onto your local council website and you sign up to um, uh, to receive tenders. If you're in Queensland, they've got their own uh, kind of like buying, local council buying initiative. So you can go on that LGV. There's, there's a fair few. So the first one would be go to your local council and state government. Um, and sign yourself up for the electrical contract opportunities. Um, once they do that, I would say the best thing that they do is if they if you know if they've got about a one year plan, I would say wait for three to six months, um, or it might be in the first week, but wait for the opportunity where a council within your somewhat immediate radius, so maybe the six local council areas around you, comes up. Or if they're a bit more proactive, what you can do is you can try potentially to contact government organizations and get some minor work. Yeah. So what will happen is you'll be like, okay, anything under a hundred grand they can spend. They'll, so you get in that way. Um, that's difficult. But another way for, um, for, for Sparkies to grow is to subcontract to other larger Sparkies who already have the contract, but make sure they're subbing out on a, on a government job because then in a year's time or two years time when it comes to tender, the first thing they're going to write is, You've been using them, but we've been basically your subby. I know the superintendent. You'll get references off them. We know the site. We know the job. They've got more insight into into um, pricing. Um, so they'll, they'll be in a good position when they go out to tender. We've done heaps of things like that. So can you mention that on your experience if you've subcontracted for another company with their electrical? Say, yes, say for can. example, We're at ProMage Electrical, we subcontracted to another company. Um, on a government tender or a government job, could we use that on our own experience? Yeah, most definitely you can. So you can say, um, look, some people fudge it and they pretend it's their own experience. That doesn't work because they'll see through that in the references. But if you're honest about it, you say, listen, and what we usually say is we subcontracted to, you know, TPG Electrical um, on on this job, on this one job that we're tendering for, for example. Um, We were responsible for all eight, you know, key performances 
the only thing we weren't responsible for is the reporting mechanism, um, the relationship with the client um, and the management and the admin side of it. And that's where there's a gap, right? So that's where the other guys are going to say, listen, we've been had this contract for the last six years. Um, you know, we've had seamless reporting, we've met all our KPIs, we've met all the service level and so forth, right? So what you've got to say is, listen, we've done all the job except for this part, which is, um, you know, the reporting and the client relationship. But here are examples of two other relationships that we've managed and contracts that we've managed successfully and we've always delivered on. Yep. So you can be confident that not only can we do the job because we've been doing it and we've been meeting all the quarter out times and so forth, but we've also got experience in the management side of it and the safety side of it. And that's why you should choose us. What's the point in choosing the others if they're going to sub it out and our price is more competitive um, and we've got a more intimate knowledge of the building and the issues that can go wrong. Yeah, that's really good advice. Talk about the insider information on the electricians. Come on, boom, it's just another value bomb. (laughs) There it is. Thank you, Jason. We love it, man, when guests come on and and do that and share like that. If people uh, decide that they want to engage with you because you obviously know what you're talking about, what does the process look like? I've I've identified a tender through a council website and I look at that and I think, man, we could win that. We're appropriately sized, we're in the right spot with all the right things, but there's just I just don't have the bandwidth to do that. So then I come to you and say, yo, can you help me win this one? Here's the links, check it all out. And what's the process look like? We'll say, what other information have you got from previous tenders? Because the person might say, mate, I've got a fully certified ISO package, which means we don't have to worry about safety and environment mm. and all that. Once we, see, once we see what we've got, we come back with the price. We even say, listen, if you want us to just completely take care of it, annoy you for the information we need to do everything else this is the price yep if you guys have got a kind of um you know like some people have a family member a wife sister whatever it may be running the joint um and she's really good but you know that you're in trouble for say these six questions then we can do it on an hourly rate and we just do that part okay and we're kind of there as an emergency so once they say that say they say for example yep yeah, let's crack it can you guys just do it um they don't hear for us from us for about half a day a day because we need to get organized and then we say, this is everything we need. And the electrician usually just rings up or sends through what he's got and forwards it on to us and doesn't write anything. He just writes here, here, you know, whatever, yeah. it doesn't care. Um, we go off and write it. And then um, we book a time in, in say a week's time to say, okay, this is where we're at. Here's the draft, um, give us your review. And we usually run through it for a few hours with them, get all the notes again. Then we go back and keep fixing it up. And in the last couple of days, there's usually a fair bit of back and forth. That's like making it pretty because, you know, most people, for example, don't have photos. Mm. So usually they make, take, take photos with the white background and so forth. And then they come in at the last second. He's got the boys out on site taking photos and doing what they're doing. Um, so everything kind of comes together in the last three days, but we love it when it comes to weather earlier. Um, just depends on the client. Um, and then we submit. So it's a bit of a back and forth process. Um, but it um, usually works out and we take the hassle out. Um, if they just go, nah, mate, we're sweet, but they're asking me stuff about local content. They want to know something about our community initiatives and we don't know how to write the methodology. Um, we'll write those parts. Um, and sometimes if they kind of stuff it up or they're getting a bit stressed, um, then we'll get involved to finish it off for them. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So it sounds, am I right in saying that you offer an end-to-end service? So the, the full suite, if I want to take it off my desk completely, but also the ad hoc service, if there's little bits and pieces that I'm not sure about, you can just do that on an hourly rate and help us out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Do you, do you ever look at a tender in its completion and say to somebody, yo, dude, don't don't send it off with that? Do you, can I send my 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 completed homework to you for for a red pen and you can fix it up that way? Is that something you offer as well? Yeah, so we do. Yeah, that's a review. So we do that as well. Um, 
the only thing we say for review is just give you the three, four days before. Yeah, you need some um, so notice. Review, the, most of the time with review, it'll be okay. Like, even if the person doesn't know what they're doing, they've tried hard and so forth. So if it's usually decent, um, but there'll be things to fix that are kind of obvious to us that'll just make them score better. Mm-hmm. So what that means is usually it's tailored. So they've written it really well. They've been like, mate, this is my dad's business. I can go over on this date. This is how we do it. So they put all that right. Um, but then there'll be parts where it's like 10 out of 10, they've written like a 6 out of 10 answer and they just need to fill it in. Yeah. Um, so most of the time a review is when we go back and we go, no, you need to expand on this. Like you haven't covered safety, you haven't covered environmental, you haven't covered, there's not enough detail in the case study. Because with case studies, for example, it's also good to write about problems and how you overcame them because the government's all about continuous improvement. But they don't want to know, it's weird because you're kind of making yourself sound bad, but they don't want to know, for example, we were outstanding on this previous job. They want to know, listen, this previous job was fantastic, but halfway through it, the job doubled in size and we had to recruit an extra three personnel. And instead of using subcontractors, we already had people that we recruited in-house and that gave better quality and so forth. So, you know, you, you can go into a fair bit of detail and, um, and make case studies outstanding. Um, and to do that, um, usually that's what we're telling people, listen, it's pretty good, but just add these things and make sure you talk about this and that in your case study, add this into the CV. So we do that service as well. And that's really good because mostly the people that are going for that, they really care about it. They want to nail it. Yeah. So um, so it's, it's kind of fun to work with them and review it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Jason, the cost of running a business from, say, my business to another business is obviously different. So do you sit down with the electricians and go through, you know, their bottom line to sort of work out what they need to do, how much they need to make to make profit, and is the price different from company to company? Um, we, in terms of price, so sit down and work out the pricing side of it, we don't really, to be honest with you. Um, the only thing we, because it's it's something that's a little bit out of our league, like their pricing. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that that's another like separate exercise. Okay. I, so you don't I do the pricing. Say, so the electrician does the pricing, you create the tender. Is that right? Yeah. We, um, yeah, well, we do help out with the pricing in terms of um, understanding what they're asking for in the pricing. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes they don't interpret it, but then we don't get to the point where we say, we, if we get to the point where we say to them, listen, if you're charging an hourly a call out rate of $90, for example, if you start calculating all your costs, is that, you know, is that going to be okay? Yeah, we don't get to that point. Um, yep. We don't know enough about their business to be able to help. And okay. if we did, we wouldn't really, we, we don't know enough to help them. Yeah. So it's just the wording. Yes, it's just the wording and how to fill in the pricing. Because they'll yeah, sure. us and, and they'll say, listen, I've got this Excel sheet in front of me. I think I've done it, but what about this? What about that? How am I going to do the pricing? Um, that's okay. But then in terms of analyzing it and what rate, we don't, what we do do is we help them out in terms of thinking this isn't a government, this isn't your normal private contract, this is a government contract. Mm. So they're mm. going to be like 10 times more annoying than dealing with a private company. Yeah, with right. a government contract, you've got hold points, you've got KPIs you've got to do, you've got reporting you've got to do, you've got um, you know, a whole lot of admin that's going to happen. They're going to be annoying you on site. There's going to council representative supervisors that are coming out. There's a whole lot of safety stuff that you've got to get completely right. Um, and you're going to be going in there once a quarter to meet about your performance on the contract and so forth. Yep. So if you can if you consider all that, then you know a sparky can walk out and go, mate, I just nailed a government contract because they priced it, priced it so low. But in a year's time, they're going to be like, this government contract's wasted all my time. They're annoying, <laughs> and I'm not being paid for it. So yeah. we kind of do advise them on the fact that it's good to add a little kind of government contract loading to whatever your pricing is. Yeah. Um, and we definitely don't want people winning them because anyone can win a tender. Doesn't it's not. You know, like if you drop your price and you do a 
very good tender submission, you're going to maybe be successful. But that doesn't mean that like you, it's good for your business because sometimes no business is better than bad business. So yeah. what can happen is people can win the tender, it chews up all their time, they end up putting an admin person on, it's taking all her time up. And then when you accumulate all those costs, you figure out that it's not actually that yeah. good. Yeah, they're important points. Let's uh, throw to a little break and come on back with some case studies. Well, Jason, it sounds like uh, you you know all of the insider tips. I wish you were in stock trading or something like that, not tender writing. We'd all be much richer. Uh, it's a kind of a, a cool thing. We really appreciate you being so giving and, and sharing so much of your knowledge on the podcast today. So I just wanted to say a big thank you for doing that for us. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I asked you at the top of the show, just off air, if you had a couple of case studies that you wanted to share with us. And you said you had a few that you could talk about. Have you got some electrical ones you can share with us? Yeah, definitely. So we've got um, two that came to mind. Um, one was a company in Sydney. Um, so Sydney is a pretty, especially Sydney metropolitan. Um, when you're talking about like government contracts, councils, state government, powerhouse museum management, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. they're fairly competitive. So a lot of um, a lot of companies are going for it. Um, and so you know when they release out the tender, there can be 30, 40 companies that that have a crack. Um, and we did a contract for a company and it was, um, it was a good story. Like it's a positive one. There were, um, husband, husband and son team for a local Sydney council. Um, they had been on the panel for 15 years at released to tender and they, they came up against it. Um, you know, all the big electrical companies wanted to get on and so mm. forth. They had good, good relations with council. Um, so that was positive. Um, but the problem was that council had one representative um, on the procurement panel. I think there were three or four. And then there were two other independent uh, procurement, just straight procurement people that knew nothing about electrical. Um, and then and then another person. So it, it wasn't like they had their mate on there for the last 15 years. That kind of like one person on the panel that liked them. The other three didn't know them. Um, and they had the, the mother and the wife. So it was like family business. Um, were writing the tender. Um, so they, what they what they did right, um, and, and they were successful with the tender, they, they, they won it. In addition to being successful, they became, you know, I'll get to the best part of the story at the start. Um, they, they became really passionate about winning more contracts. And in the last, I mean, I, I think I did it in 2010 or 12. So in the last eight years, they've used tendering to like triple the size of their business. Nice. They've put people on. Mm. The um, the wife's become a expert tender writer in her own right because she's <laughs> just writing them all the time. The mum's involved and I speak to them quite often because I do, uh, you know, we did their first tender comprehensively mm. and then we also do like little questions that came up and they, they call all the time just for random help with tenders. Um, anyway, so the positive story is that it was all a great outcome. They were reappointed to the panel they never knew what a tender was before that. So that was great because now they're winning tenders left, right and center. And they've become, a, they're about a 38, 38 man electrical business. So they're, they're going good. Um, yeah, nice. The negatives was that this tender, um, they engaged us, I think about six, six days before due date. Oh, gosh. Um, but before, before that they started working on it and the, what, what they did was they were answering everything properly, 
But because they, it was the first time tendering, they didn't have like a stockpile of standard information. So it was asking quick questions like, you know, where are your insurance certificates? Where's your safety documentation? They had no safety documentation. They had swims and that they were using on site, but mm. it wasn't in an organized manner. Um, you know, so there were all these other annoying things that come up with a tender that they were getting stressed about. And instead of delegating and, and you know, treating that the way it should be treated and saying, okay, this is nothing, you know, we'll just, we'll request our insurance document and the broker will send the through three or four days and we'll just attach it to the tender. Then that's a really part, easy part of the tender. They spent, for example, eight days just worrying about that insurance document if the broker was going to send it. So that, that inexperience cost them. Yeah. Um, and what also cost them um, through the process was the fact that they were, they were writing it and they were assuming that the council, which they did, so right to assume, but they were assuming that the council knew all about their business. Mm. So when they said, you know, what's your previous 15 years experience? Um, they wrote, yeah, we've been with you for 15 years and you know all our experience and, you know, this side and that side and so forth. But when they're marking the tender, they can't mark based on what they know about you. They can only mark it based on what they see. So you have to include everything and write everything for it to be recognized. Mm. So they had fallen into that trap initially before we had a look at it. And they also had fallen into the trap of getting stressed over the project management side of the tender and not actually writing the tender. So I think like it should be split into two separate things. One is I'm managing this tender. You know, I've got a list of all my to-do lists. These are the, this is the information that I need and so forth. And on the other side of the bid, you've got, okay, I've actually got to write it. But they're two different aspects. They were getting so stressed over the project management side that they weren't focusing on the writing, but the writing is going to win it for you and you have to do both correctly. Um, so six days out, they came over, um, you know, they inquired and they said, okay, we're, you know, we're, we're in a bit of a mess. Um, they were lovely clients. So they were really nice people, which is always good for us to work with nice people because you kind of really want to, you want them to win and so forth. Um, and we, we worked with them and, um, when we were asking for the information, for example, um, they were coming back as soon as possible. So from our perspective, if we're writing it and they're like pretty blase, yeah, we'll, you know, I'm trying to do it, I'll do it in a couple of days, everything stuffs up from a scheduling perspective. Yeah. Um, these guys were right onto it. So you could tell they were really enthusiastic. Um, and the other positive thing, which completely, I mean, I wasn't expecting it, was that they there was a local community question where they said, tell us about your contribution to the local community. And most clients will say, oh, yeah, I, um, I gave 50 bucks to charity once. Yeah. And that's fair enough. I, I don't block the community either, yeah. you know, so I can't talk, right? These guys were amazing. So they had like sponsored this, sponsored that, oh, helped gosh. people, footy teams, disabled teams. The mother was a volunteer in the local group and all of that. So we included all of that. Um, in the tender response, which gave them a very strong response in addition to their experience. Um, we created all the safety documentation um, and it was Sydney based, but the apprentices they hired put them in good stead because they hired apprentices from like, I think they had an indigenous apprentice, mm -hmm. which is rare for, for Sydney. So it's something that is, you know, I would say if I was doing a tender in the Northern Territory, you know, there's a higher population of Indigenous personnel. So there's just standard that you're probably going to hire, you know, an Indigenous apprentice. They had an Indigenous apprentice and they had um, the person, another person that was assisting in the office had a disability. Um, so these guys were, I would say, the really good Aussie guys that you would see 
uh, volunteering for St. John Ambulance, you know. So yeah. what yes. happened is because of all that story, we had this amazing story to put forward. They just hadn't realized it. Um, so when we took over, we worked with them, everything worked out okay, but they scored top marks in local community. Apparently they'd been doing, I, I didn't realize, but um, they gave me a couple of days before some um, review sheets from the council that they, you know, reviewing their performance. They scored top marks in all that. So they were already in a strong position. They just didn't know it. Mm. And they weren't going to add that evidence in. So when, you, when you're working on a tender, I was like, this is gold. We've definitely got to include this. Get photocopies of all your previous quarterly reviews from the last, you know, whatever amount of years. And we'll attach them in the appendices. And the most recent one, when you guys stored 4.8 out of 5 for just about everything, and you've got all these positive notes from the council supervisor saying they're fantastic on site and so forth, we're just going to put that pretty much front and centre in the document as evidence of our performance because anyone can write anything, so they want to see evidence in it. Mm. Um, but they were too shy to put that in. But we put it in in the end. They were successful and they, they won. So yeah, that was a, kind of like a feel-good story because a lot of businesses, I'd say, have a lot of... Uh, a lot of good stuff to include in tenders, but some people are a bit too shy to include it. They don't want to kind of show off and others just don't know that that's what they should be including. Yeah. So it's a really good story, isn't it? Before, before they were doing, before they applied for that tender, they were doing the council work. What was the size of their business? Because it sounds like that really accelerated their growth. Yeah. So that went from, uh, they were seven, they were seven. And then when they retained that contract, they stayed at seven, but, I think three months into it or six months later, the council next door um, released for tender. They were appointed to the panel. They hired another five. Um, and then they've been progressively growing. I think about a contract every six months nice. over the past, whatever amount of years. So the, the problem they've got now is quality more than anything. Mm. So hiring good managers and, um, you know, maintaining quality and so forth. Mm. Uh, but they're very on top of it. So they progressively grew. It wasn't a spike, but they went, I think they went seven, 11. I didn't speak to them for one and a half years. Then I spoke to them about this tender. They were at 16 staff, had one another two tenders and so forth. So if you're focusing on business growth, they're, they're a pretty good growth story. Um, you, and I think the, the message, yep. So I was gonna say, would you say um, some good advice for an electrician looking to sort of take, get, those, uh, get onto those government tenders, it was to start sponsoring local footy teams and getting involved in the community? Um, yeah, I'd, uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, not for me. I'm just sort of asking on behalf of the viewers or oh, the listeners out there. I think you mentioned sponsoring a footy team, and a lot of guys don't do that. Yeah. Because they, I suppose they think, you know, what sort of work am I going to get out of putting my name on a footy jersey or a. Well, none. You know, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, none. So, do you think it's worthwhile doing? Uh, no, I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I think, um, uh, to be completely honest with you, I think um, I would, if I was cynical, I'd say I'd do it, but I'd do it the second the tender's released because you've got, uh, what, three, three, four weeks to submit a tender. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was a local thing, I'd say, and if I really want to have a crack at it, I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd do that. Um, or I'd, I think, you know, what they can do is because with the council, the problem with the local footy team is that like, you know, that tender is going to come up and if you lose it, you're sponsoring for another year, right? <laughs> so I think doing some charity stuff, if, to be completely cynical, doing some charity stuff, is good, but just do it that generally covers your geographic area and it's always in your in your back pocket. Yeah. Or if there was a tender that I really wanted to have a crack on, um, what you what you can do is switch your suppliers. So, say you're because um, that that kind of rates this similar to mm. local community. So mm. what you say is, 
there's the question going, okay, um, I'm an electrician and, you know, it's, I don't know, um, local shire, Granada Shire Council um, tender, and I'm based in uh, Menai, for example, then I'd say, okay, and I, I'd talk clients if you want to, you know, I'm happy to write it, just make sure you do it. Like, is, um, okay, switch it. We buy all our equipment from this business, which is a local owned business in the Shire. Yeah. And that's where we buy all our electrical material from. Um, when we go out, you know, for Christmas parties and so forth, we have those parties in these places. This is where our last one was and we're supporting locals that way. Um, other ways that you can support locals that don't take any real tangible commitment um, is switching suppliers, supporting locals. Um, look, if you're going to hire, most of the most tenders will say, listen, if you win this contract, you're going to put on three or four people. Right? It's, it's no doubt. But for example, you may have to put on three or four people. Where are you going to get those people from? And the first thing you do, most people say, is, oh, we're going to we're going to hire people from the local area so that we support local business and there's downstream economic benefits from the contract go back through to the local area. Fair yeah. enough. But the other thing you can do is you can quickly identify two or three local recruiters or labor hire companies. And you say, okay, well, we're going to use these guys because their office is, you know, in, in the Shire. Or we're going to use these guys because they're pretty much situated around the corner from council and they're a local business owned by this person. And if you want to go even to a more greater extent, you can get a letter off them because they'll happily write something because they, yep, you're their customer or whatever, saying, listen, we're excited because we've got the opportunity to service TPS Electrical um, if they win the tender. Um, you know, we're pretty excited and we're a local business. Thanks very much, you know, Cliff Chase or whoever it is. Yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting how n- none of none of anything that you're talking about is a question in a tender. <laughs> That's like, yeah, no, it's not, no, no. yeah, but, but these are the things that are going to help you win it, right? These are the, the little nuanced things that you can never know by yourself. And if you're doing that the first time by yourself, that's a, uh, that might be a bit of a, a critical mistake. You need somebody with the expertise to come in and review that to help you ad hoc or actually do it for you. I, I think that's why this is such an important conversation. Yeah, cool. Cheers. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's, uh, let's scale out of this one and throw to the quick break. Well, Jason, I wanted to say thank you again for, for coming on the Electricians Co-op podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to host you here and you've been such a, uh, a valuable source of information. I think there's maybe a, an episode or two more to do in there if you'd be up for something like that. Well, I'm sure we can riff on a, a couple of topics as well if people have got some questions. I wanted to give you the opportunity for to, to cover off anything here and, and close out this podcast with anything that maybe we missed that the audience should know. I'd say, um, yeah, I think I, I think that the bid, no bid process, so choosing whether to go for a tender or not is critical because the last thing you want is, um, mate, you know, you go for a few tenders and you lose them and you go, oh, mate, this is a waste of time. You never do it again. Yeah. Um, and that can happen. And it happens to people who go for ones that they haven't got a chance of winning. So making a good early decision and even into the first, say, 20% of the tender process, mate, if, you don't, if you're reading through it and you're like, okay, I don't have that, I don't have that, I can't get that, then sometimes you've got to like be, have started the tender and go, well, this is a waste of time, we're not going to win it. Mm. Someone's going to have those things. Um, so I'd like to say that's, that's a good one, you know, so just be careful which ones you go for and don't, don't waste your time. Um, you know, all sparkies are busy and they don't want to waste their time on something that isn't an opportunity. And if you do go for it, give it a good crack because you want to win it. 
um, it's it's unforgiving in the sense that mate, you don't want to come third because you don't you don't get the contract. Yeah, there's only um, one winner. Yeah. So have a crack and tender to win when you get a tender. Um, that's what I'd say. Um, aside from that, uh, I'd say you know most businesses have resources they don't know. You know, for example, I've worked with heaps of heaps of Sparkies, and um, I, you know I'm working with their wives, and I'm thinking. Well, I'm working with a you know younger cousin who's a uni student, and I'm thinking these people are fantastic. So they might not get the respect of the Sparky. He thinks, mate, I just got Jennifer down the back, and she's doing the, you know a few payroll things. And I'm working with him. I'm going, well, these guys are great. They could probably you know with a bit of help get an eight out of ten tender together. Mm. Um, so just to value those people and and use them as assets, um, because um, sometimes you know they've you've just got to give them a bit of time because it takes time to write a tender. So they might be thinking, oh, you're spending all that bloody time on that tender, but it's, it's a big job. Um, but they're really doing a great job. So for some sparkies, they've got some hidden treasures in their, um, in their, in their businesses. And sometimes as well, I'd say just to close out is some sparkies are really good at writing, but they don't rate themselves. So the first thing they'll say to him is mate, I'm, I'm good on the tools, but I'm, you know, I don't really write that well. I say, okay, just give me a few notes and then um, tell me what you think and I'll read it, write it for you. And then I go, well, they ring them up. Okay, mate, it's not necessary. What you've written on the ball i just got to make a few changes so um yeah don't underestimate um you know their own ability or don't get into this culture of i can't do it um because sometimes they're, they're they're outstanding they're just um too modest yeah that's say it. <laughs> yeah that's great advice mate great advice get in there and have a crack at it is what i say and and you never know you, you're not going to score a try unless you get on the field and and play the game jamie have you got any final questions Mate, great advice. It's all new to me. We don't sort of tender projects like that. So I think you've provided so much insight on what's involved and even the, the sponsorship side and what they're actually looking for mm. in terms of their local community. So I never really thought about that. And it sort of made me think maybe I'm going to get more involved in the local community in case an opportunity came about. But yeah, it's definitely something I'll be sort of looking into, Jason. So thanks for that. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. You got to set yourself up for success. That's for yeah, sure. Totally. Jason, if if people want to connect with you directly, what's the best way to do that? Through your website, via email, or through LinkedIn? What what's your preferred method? Good old-fashioned phone call or email is fine. Sure, sure. Ladies and gentlemen, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links, uh, and I'll put Jason's phone number in there, are right there in the show notes, so you won't have to go digging around in Google for them as well. Jamie, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way, mate? Instagram, mate, at ProImageLogical, or you can shoot me an email at jamie at proimgelectical.com.au. If you want to connect with me, ladies and gentlemen, LinkedIn is my preferred method. Jason Cooney, thanks again for coming on, mate. I wanted to give you the opportunity here on the podcast for the parting comment. Have you got a final piece of tender wisdom here for the Electricians Co-op? Give it a good crack. Give it a proper crack if you're going to have a crack, mate. You're a top job and you, you might win. That's it, mate. you got to be in it to win it. Thanks again for coming on, mate. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. Bathing in the light that you share. You like the sun. Who am I to think how it be? If you were mine, I've been walking with my shades on for so long. I can't seem to get them back on. Cause ooh, how I fell in love. Couldn't see it coming best in my stereo. I can feel it coming, you on my radio All I'm hearing is a song 
would never judge Don't you ever say you're sorry I don't mind if you don't mind it Sharing all your secrets with me 